So in hearing those scriptures, who, who is at the center of all things? I did hear an answer in the back. <laughs> it, is no, it is not a trick question. God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in Christianity, as Christians, we take what is called a theocentric point of view. Theocentric. God at the center. God at the center which in a lot of ways makes this sermon for today really easy. If God is at the center of all things and the earth is God's, then we should take care of it. The earth is God's, we should take care of it. So I am done for the day. (laughs) I do wish it was really that easy. (laughs) But thousands of years of human history, and especially our modern era, show us that we as a species are pretty confused about who is at the center of things. The way that we walk around on this planet and just clear-cutting rainforests and putting stuff in the air, throwing trash in the oceans, you would think that we could do whatever we want. That the earth is ours, and we could just make another one any old time we feel like it. And even the way that we tell the creation story often It's as if humans are the culmination of that story. But really, in Genesis, humans don't show up until the sixth day, and they don't show up until late on the sixth day. But we tell it like everything else is a prelude leading to humanity. Night and day sky and waters, land, all the celestial bodies, the animals that live in the air and in the sea, the plants, all the land creatures, they just come before us. They're just leading up to the best thing of all, which is us. All that work is just coming to humanity. We are the culmination of the creation story. Except that the culmination of the creation story is the seventh day when God rested from all the work of creation because only God can do the work of creation. And so we have a Sabbath, we honor the Sabbath to remind us in part that only God can do the work of creation. And that's why we are all here today on the Sabbath, singing songs like for the beauty of the earth, 
and praying prayers like thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Sabbath is to remember that creation is God's. The earth is God's. If we take a theocentric point of view and remember that God is at the center of everything, then the earth is God's and we should take care of it. But somewhere along the line, we got confused as a species. And I think some of that confusion comes from Genesis itself. Because in Genesis, it says very clearly that we are made in the image of God. And then there's words in there like subdue, master, depending on your translations, rule, have dominion. And we interpret these to mean, ah, God gave creation to us, the earth is ours, and we can do whatever we want. That all those natural resources, those birds and those plants and those animals, well, those are ours to subdue and have dominion over. The Hebrew does, in fact, say that. Those are what the words say. I think the problem is in the interpretation. Because we can interpret subdue and master and have dominion as ravage and pillar and do whatever we want, however we want. But there are a couple of problems with that interpretation. One is, in Genesis, what's given to us is the fruit to eat, and the seeds to eat. Meat-eating, in our Christian way of thinking, doesn't come until after the fall. In Eden, it's all vegetarian. Which is mostly for today, just an interesting fact when you read Genesis, go back and look. What I really want to concentrate on is the section about the image bearers of God, bearing the image of God on earth to subdue it and master it. Because as Christians, where do we look to understand how to be the image of God on earth? Well, we look to Jesus. And obviously, Jesus was just here having dominion over everything and just subduing everything, ruling over everything. No. Well, he did, but he subdued sin. And he mastered how we love one another. So if we're looking to Jesus Christ as how we should take care, how we should subdue, how we should have dominion. Ah, maybe it's less about having power over, less about exploiting for our own needs, 
and more about love and respect. Because if we as image bearers of God are called to love creation the way that God loves us, and if Jesus is our Lord and Master as we confess, then the way we master and have dominion is in the way that Jesus does. And we are to bear that image here on earth, which means we take a theocentric point of view. God at the center, if the earth is God's, then we should take care of it. In certain Christian circles, an argument does come up that, well, it's all going to burn down anyway. It's all going to burn. The end times are coming. It's all going to burn. We should just get a head start. We're going to go live somewhere else with God anyway, and um, creation's just going to be gone. So firstly, even if that were our uh, Christian scriptural interpretation, you live in a house, your house is going to fall down someday. That does not mean you set fire to it right now just because you know it's going to go away eventually. That doesn't make any sense at all. But I would argue that this idea that it's all going to burn anyway is a misinterpretation of Scripture. Because Scripture starts with creation, and creation is supremely good. God created, and it was supremely good. And we have creation in the middle, in the middle of our story. As Christians, the middle of our story is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we end with creation in Revelation. In the middle part, our scripture today that represents the middle part was the reading from Romans, where Paul talks about creation is groaning. Creation is groaning. Creation suffers under the bonds of sin, not by its own choice. Well, who sins? We sin. The image bearers of God are the only ones who can sin and fall short of the glory of God. And creation is groaning under the weight of that sin. I think that language is so symbolic for us today. Creation is groaning. As Christians, we trust that there is a redemption process at work in the world, in and through Jesus, in and through Jesus Christ, who Paul calls the firstborn of the dead, which is kind of weird language, but he's talking about the resurrection. And the resurrection is not some kind of mysterious out-of-body resurrection, out-of-body experience. Jesus is resurrected in a body on this earth. 
in this creation. The resurrected Jesus is a resurrected creation. He is still in and with creation at the center of it all. God at the center, God in creation. We should care for creation. Our third scripture reading for the day was Revelation, which is a tricky book. It is tricky. Theologians no less than Luther and Calvin struggled with it. Almost did not make it into our canon of biblical books, but here it is for us to wrestle with. It is worth spending some time in because what it does do for us is give us some vision of the future. And if you heard, the vision of the future includes creation. There are trees that bear fruit, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. This future vision is on earth with rivers and trees and God right at the center of it all, here on this earth. We do talk about a new heaven and a new earth and a refining process. A refining process where all things are made new. Ah, but not all new things. All things made new, still here, still creation, still God. The earth is God's. We should take care of it. So that's great, right? (laughs) What do we do, though? How do we do that? Well, God's at the center. And we're Christians, so we follow Jesus. Good. That is so vague. (laughs) This is the scary part of preaching. Because I don't know. What do we do? I do know it starts with putting God at the center and loving God's good creation. I suspect it goes next into education and taking seriously the ecological crisis, really educating ourselves on what we are facing in our own ecology on our own planet that is God's good creation. Facing reality, recognizing that we here live in a materialistic culture. We just do. We buy stuff and we throw it away. Except there is no away. There's just here. Seems like it's away because we can't see it. But it's just here. There's only here. There's only this creation. We live in a throwaway culture. We all do. And, and we're s- stuck. This is the bonds of sin that hold us. We are collectively stuck in a culture 
a throwaway culture where we are bound and it is very hard to get out of it. And when we get real about it, at least when I get real about it, start paying attention to the news. I really want to get in bed and put the covers over my head. Which is very rarely the answer to the problem. (laughs) That is very rarely the right thing to do. (laughs) Just ignoring everything. So, I try to just do the next right thing. It's all we can do sometimes, the next right thing. We learn, we do the best we can, we do the next right thing. One of the theologians that I read suggested that a starting point may be a love of nature. We're only going to take care of what we love. And he suggested that maybe for some people a starting point is just simply getting to know the trees in your neighborhood, the ecology that is around you here, the birds, the trees, the plants, getting to know them. And I I took that to mean maybe we need to think about the ecology that is around us as our neighbor, expand our definition of neighbor, to love our neighbor to include what is around us now that we live in. And then, of course, there's other small changes, which you all probably already know. You may be well past this, but there's the compost pail. There's not buying yogurt in those little teeny containers, but instead buying them in the big containers and then putting it into the little containers. Reusable water bottles. I know you all know this. We just canceled our paper subscription in the newspaper and read it online now so that we're not... But, I mean, it's hard because I like new shoes. And they come in boxes with the trucks that drive them to your house. And sometimes my groceries come in plastic bags because it's easier. That is the bonds of sin that we are all beholden to. You may be well graduated past those little things that I just named, and you might be ready for an electric vehicle. I know some of you already drive them. Some of you ride your bike, take the bus, have solar panels. easy to get confused about what the right thing is to do. I started while I was researching this sermon to think about the paper napkins that we use in my house and thought, oh, I should switch this to cloth. But when I actually started reading, well, what's better? It really depends. It always depends because it depends on how the cotton is grown in the napkins and how often you're going to wash them. Whether you're using napkins from recycled paper, and if you compost them at the end, then they're not going in the trash. So it's really confusing. But we just got to do the best we can with what we know now and try to do better. I do know that we are called as Christians to have actions based in love for God and God's good creation. The good news 
is that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, it does not say, for God so loved the people. The word there is cosmos, the everything. God so loved the everything, all-encompassing creation. The process of redemption is for everything, not just for us, for all of creation. And we are called to love as Jesus loved us, with gratitude, because God loves this world. We, as Christians, are called to be a theocentric people, theocentric with God at the center. The earth is God's. We should take care of it. May it be so. Amen.
crisis, it will involve singing, and it will involve prayer. And I would like to lead you in prayer using, in part, uh, some words of ancient Hebrew poetry that I found in the Bible, Psalms 8 and Psalms 104. I just mentioned because you may remember these, having heard these words before. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to begin with praise that you have made this incredibly beautiful world that we enjoy. And how can we not enjoy it in this springtime when everything is green, when life springs up out of the ground, flowers bloom, rain falls from the sky. It is so beautiful. And also productive, producing food for us and for all creatures, making life possible, possible where we can not only live but flourish, and where all your creation flourishes. All this, we acknowledge, is a testimony to you. It is not about us. It is about you, ultimately, that we give you praise for your goodness and splendor. And when we see this beautiful world, we remember. And we remember who you are and what you've given us. And we acknowledge in amazement that we are part of it and yet responsible for it. How is this possible that you have made us regents over your earth? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of us? Human beings that you care for us. You have made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. You made us rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under our feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravines and it flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. You water the mountains from your upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of your work. You make grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make our faces shine, and bread that sustains our hearts. The trees that you make are well watered. This, the redwoods that you planted there the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. 
The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from you. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. Lord our God, you reveal your power and your beauty in all created things. They turn our eyes to you. And we thank you. We thank you, though sometimes we fail to notice. And we fail to praise. And we acknowledge that in the midst of all this wonder, we have failed to do what you told us, to protect and care for it, to care for this world in the way that you would care for it. And today we are apparently facing a catastrophe of unknown dimensions. We don't know the future, but we are told it may be very grim. It is a crisis so great it paralyzes us. And we ask your help. You have given us this amazing power in your creation. Help us to think soberly and deeply about what your command calls us to do. Help this community, this church, this fellowship, to know how to live. Fill us with your spirit so that we could be people who live rightly and provide salt and light for our community, for Santa Rosa, for Sonoma County, for California, for the United States, indeed for the world, that we could love our neighbors as we love the world you have given us. And now, we join in the words of the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Donna Thomas will now come and say a few words about Stephen ministry. Good morning. Um, would you take a few moments with me 
and imagine an event upending life as you knew it, a totally unexpected situation or perhaps a culmination of circumstances that are beyond understanding. Isn't it true at times like that that life seems oftentimes too difficult to manage without someone to come alongside to care about you and regardless of the circumstances? Stephen ministers are here at First Press as trained caregivers who are readily available when the pressures of life become overwhelming. Going through those times is much better when someone who sincerely cares about you is listening to your concerns, your fears, is devoted to you, prays with you, and is consistent in bringing Christ's hope through spiritual and emotional support in a weekly, one-hour appointment until you feel ready to carry on. For myself, through the Stephen Ministry training course, I was trained just over two years ago to be a caregiver who is confidential, compassionate, non-judgmental, and faithful. And in each caring relationship, there's a Stephen Ministry team that fully supports each caregiver, making sure that they are giving Christ-centered care. Now, being a Stephen minister has been a good fit for me. During the privilege of four caring relationships, I can see God's hand in my own transformation of becoming a better and discerning listener and seeing my own life difficulties used as God, um, being used as assets that God could use. A new Stephen ministry training class is coming up in September. And if this sounds like a good fit for you or someone you know, you would please look for a Stephen minister um, out in the foyer. We have our new uh, badges, so you'll see, you'll see people wearing these. Um, and they will direct you uh, in how to sign up for the course. But you might also be interested for yourself or someone you know um, to find a caregiver um, for someone that just needs some help. By the way, did you know that... Um, the key to being a better listener is to discern when to stop talking. So um, we're going to have a video that I think you'll enjoy uh, with a real care receiver, not from this church, um, who bettered his life uh, through having a caring uh, giver, caregiver for him. Thank you.
I'd remind you that there will be Stephen ministers with badges on uh, in the narthex and also down in the breezeway there's a table. If you, if you felt like you could use a Stephen minister or someone you love could use a Stephen minister, that's those people you can talk to. Or you can call the church and ask for Colleen and Colleen will direct you. There's also this training class in September and of course they would love to tell you about that. We're now about to take the offering, continuing our worship by giving our gifts to God and remembering him. Will the worship hosts please come? stand and join us.
king, to God our creator triumphantly raised, who fashioned and made us, protected and stayed us, by guiding us on to the end of our days. God's banners are o'er us, pure light goes before us, a pillar of our shining forth in the night. Till shadows have vanished, all fearfulness banished, as forward we travel from light into stars in their courses, the sun in its orbit obediently shine, the hills and the mountains, the rivers and fountains, the depths of the ocean proclaim God divine. We too should be voicing our love and rejoicing with glad adoration, a song let us raise. Till all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the highest, Hosanna. As you leave worship this morning, if you have a prayer concern and you would like someone to pray with you, we have Candice up front today to be a prayer partner, to share a prayer time with you. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Alleluia. Amen.